Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sermon Podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location where each week you will hear a message designed to help you learn more about God, grow in your love for God and others, so that you can go and live a life driven by faith. There's a big difference, isn't there, between knowledge, the ability to know something, and wisdom, which is the ability to put that knowledge into practice in day-to-day life. Right now, we're in the middle of a series on the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is all about how you and I are to live as followers of Jesus Christ in day-to-day life. It's an important conversation, so I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you listen closely, because I believe God has something He would like to say to you. We haven't met. My name is Marvin. As Justin had just introduced me a few minutes ago, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I want to say it's such a joy for me and Jen to be here in Belmont, worshiping with this wonderful group of believers. Um, Pastor Brian often talks a lot of good things about this campus, and it's it's always a joy to come back um, to see how much you've grown, and to see the work that God is doing in this place and to see the impact that you're having as a community. Pastor Brian, thank you for the invitation and for this opportunity to be able to come and share. Um, This morning, uh, as Pastor or Justin mentioned, that we are in this series, we're in the series uh, Life at the Crossroad. And so I want to take a moment to uh, dive a little deeper into into a certain topic today. But before I do that, um, I don't know if you've ever noticed, and sometimes we don't notice until it's too late, or sometimes it's there and we, we notice it and we pay attention to, sometimes we don't. Warning signs, right? Uh, coming in this morning, you've probably encountered about 50 different signs coming in. Some told you the speed limit, some told you when to stop, some told you when to go, some said don't turn on a red, all those warning signs, right? They're all around us. They serve a very specific function. They, they're there to tell us that do this and you won't be hurt, or don't do this so that you won't be hurt. There's, there's a reason why those warning signs are there. Um, so as we were preparing this sermon, I came up on a few warning signs that I wanted to take a moment to, to look at. So Tim, would you, would you show us these? Now, if you can't read this, this sign says, not intended for highly use, and it was on a wheelbarrow. The next... Remove child before folding on a baby stroller. Do not iron while wearing shirt and iron on shirt pattern. See, looking at some of these signs, you would wonder what exactly happened for them to have to put this sign on that product. I can't imagine someone folding away a baby stroller with the baby still in it. But at some point, someone said, someone's probably going to do this, so let me put a sign on it. See, some of these signs make us chuckle. Some of these signs are comical in a way, but they all point to this reality that says, heed the warning or something bad could happen. Warning signs are all around us, as I mentioned. Some we respond to, some we just fly by. This morning, as we continue our series, Life at the Crossword, and we're looking into the book of Proverbs, I want to take a look at a warning. 
As a matter of fact, it's, it's almost, um, it, maybe this might take you back. Um, anyone remember the talk? No? No one uh, remember the talk? Maybe, let me, let me phrase it a little differently. You, maybe for the guys, you maybe had the talk with your dad. Or uh, ladies, you had the talk with your mom. And, and so I'll give you a little bit of a disclaimer. I can't see up there. So parents, we're going to be talking about sex today. And Pastor Brian said he didn't want to talk about it, so he had to bring me in. <laughs> so I can say whatever and leave... Take it up with Pastor Brian. No, no, this morning, as we're talking about it, there is, it's sensitive. And so we don't often talk about it in church, but any opportunity that the Bible points us to, we take that opportunity to talk about it. And so I'll leave it up to you, parents. If, if you feel like your child is not yet ready or you're not ready to have that conversation with your child, I'll leave it up to you to make that call. Um, so this morning, we're talking about, and the Bible's pointing towards sex. And here's, we're coming to this passage in chapter 5 and chapter 6 of Proverbs, and it's the talk between a father and his son or sons. And so let's turn, if you would turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27 and 28. Proverbs 6, 27 and 28. So what it says, can a, man, can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can, can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? See, under the whale of a question, the father is giving his son a warning. This warning, like many others we saw, may seem silly. Who would carry a fire next to their chest? Or who would walk on coals and not expect that they would be scorched? You see, the father is giving wisdom, his son wisdom. He's not really talking about fire. He's not really talking about how to handle hot objects. Instead, there is a deeper lesson. And that lesson, we're going to talk about our sexuality and what the world defines sexuality as and how God defines it for us. You see, the answer to these questions, if we thought about it, is yes. If you carried a fire next to your chest, you, you'll probably get burned. If you walked across coals, you will get scorched. On, on a Sunday morning like this, I'm convinced that there are multiple groups of people here, and we're talking to different demographics in this, in this passage. I'm convinced, and, I'm, and I know that the Holy Spirit would use to talk to all of them. And some of you here this morning, maybe as we're talking especially about sexuality, some of you are single. Some of you are dating. Some of you are married. Some of you are newly married. Some of you have been married for many years. But my hope and my prayer is that each of these groups, you will you will hear what the Lord has to say. This is his warning to his son. For better or for worse, you cannot separate sex from its consequences. For better or for worse, you cannot separate sex from its consequences. You see, in the book of Proverbs, we've been coming across this idea of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to see the end of a road from the beginning. The ability to see the end of the road from the beginning. So what is this road leading to? And what exactly this road 
what exactly does this road of sex lead us to? You see, there's, he's going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it from two different angles. And so first we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. It's a lengthy passage, but I'd love to read it for you. Just listen. It'll be on the screens, but just listen and listen to the wisdom that this father is giving his son. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion, and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drips honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to shale. She does not ponder the path of life, her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near to the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your ears to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, how I hated discipline. And my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers, incline my ears to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. The path of undisciplined sex, the path of undisciplined sexuality is simply this it's ruin. The father is warning his son against a careless approach to sex. In the world that we live in, as Bill mentioned, you know, we have options, we have temptations, it's all around us. It's in the media that we consume, it's in our conversations, it's in our routines. It presents itself, as the father puts it, as a woman with lips dripping with honey. Even the most innocuous of media around us contains sexual overtones and agendas that are constantly being put in front of us, constantly being drilled into us. And in these overwhelming moments, the Father is saying, Son, take a moment. Exercise discretion. Take a moment and pursue wisdom. Because he says the The price of making the wrong choice is heavy. You see, there is a cost to all of our actions. The consequence of undisciplined and careless careless sexuality is ruin. You see, the Bible is very clear about its standard of sexuality. It's very clear. Especially in, the sexual, especially in that that the sexual relationship belongs in the context of marriage. It belongs within the boundaries of marriage. And when it's mishandled, there are consequences to it. When it's mishandled, mishandled it brings ruin. At home, we have, we have a fireplace. It's a wood-burning fireplace. And so every winter, we, I go out, we have wood in the, in the backyard, we bring it in, and I light a fire. 
Now, because it's not, it's not an insert, it's not covered, I have to be there. We'd light the fire. It's a fun experience. I love sitting by the fire. I love fanning it in flame. And I love the experience. But what I don't love is having to sit there and watch it all the time. Because you see, because we don't have a glass or we don't have any way to cover it, it's hard to walk away from it. Imagine if I fell asleep and one of those embers, one of those sparks flew out of the fireplace, caught on something in that living room. It would light up. And if, let's say, I was aware, I was not aware, it could bring the whole house down. God has designed sex just like that fireplace to be within the conf- of that fire to be within the confines of marriage. He's saying that fire, when it's in the fireplace, it brings warmth, it brings, it sustains life, it does what it's supposed to do. The moment it escapes, the moment it sends those embers out, when it's in a place where it was not designed to be, it brings the house down. It consumes and it destroys. And the father looking at his son, he's saying, stay away from that, from that place. Be watchful of that place. One of the areas so often that, we, that we're very careless about, and for honest with ourselves, many of us even in this room are dealing with it, is in the area of pornography. It's incredible the number of young men and women that we have conversations with that come and say, this is a problem. This is consuming my life. A popular porn website, and I'm not going to mention the name, recently stated that it had over 30 billion, this is just this one website, 30 billion hits in the year 2018. Of those hits, the United States was the biggest consumer. Americans stayed on the side longer than any other nationality. And their prime time spent viewing porn increased from the year before. I don't know if you've ever used Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes, we often, a lot of us use it. It's a great filtering software. What it does, it helps and it guards and it protects you as a consumer from content. And they put out these stats and they say roughly 28,000 users are watching pornography every second in the U.S. Every second you have 28,000 people watching content. And every second over $3,000 is being spent in the U.S. alone. This is a problem. It's not just men. Women are on it too. And it's interesting that women spend more time when they're on it than men do. And it's astounding to see how deep the problem is. Well, you would say, what about the Christian community? 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say that they have a problem with pornography. It's a problem even within the church. It's a problem that we often have to to deal with. 
It's a departure from the teachings of Christianity. It's, society says, it's okay. It's not hurting anyone. It's consumed within the confines of your, within privacy, within the bedroom, wherever you may consume it. How is it hurting anyone? You see, Covenant Eyes, in their report, they say 56% of divorce cases involved a partner's abuse of pornography. 56%. There is an effect. The research has shown that it hinders sexual development, especially when it's consumed by teens and, and adolescents. It warps the way they think, the way they perceive, and the way they come to life. It raises the risk of depression. It creates distorted expectations. It's so bad of a problem that the WHO, the World Health Organization, considers it a behavioral disorder. It's a problem within the church. And the father is looking at the son, and he's saying, you're going to encounter this. Maybe not in his context, but by extension to us, he's saying, the father is looking at each of us and saying, you will encounter this. Stay away. Stay far away from it. The father's warning, it goes on, and I mentioned it's chapter 5 and chapter 6. The first chapter, chapter 5, talks about what happens outside of marriage. It talks about what happens, especially as young people growing up, when we, when we engage in these behaviors outside of the confines of marriage. The world maintains that if it makes you happy, it's permissible. The father warns his son, it's no. If you do, the consequences are destructive. You will be disgraced, the father is saying. You will live your life with regret. You will end up trapped, lost, and dead in addictions, the father is saying. Be careful, he tells his son. And this morning, he's looking at us and saying, maybe you're in that place. Maybe you're waiting for the one that God is to bring, and you don't know how to deal with it, and he's saying, watch out. You don't know how to deal with the desires and the passions within you, and he's saying, be careful. But he's not only talking to people outside, he continues in chapter 6. The father's warning in this passage deals with the marriage relationship too. Let's move to chapter 6, verses 20 through 35. Again, a long passage, so I'll read it, but just pay attention to the father's words to his son. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will be with you. They will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and a teaching, a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? 
so is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But he, if, he, if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who, doesn't, who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor. His disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply, gifts. God has a high standard regarding our sexuality and our purity. The seventh of the Ten Commandments, he says, do not commit adultery. The father is continuing his conversation with his son. He's saying, watch out. It's not just a problem when you're single. It's not just a problem when you're outside the bounds of marriage. It's a problem even within. He tells him not to enter into a relationship with a married woman. In both these scenarios, you see the father warning against mishandling sexuality. There are consequences that are experienced immediately and some in the long term. In the short term, in our mishandling of sex, it brings disgrace. It causes us to live life with regret, trapping us in our addictions, causing us to suffer physical and emotional and mental pain. But in the long term, there is, there is a, when we handle sexuality the wrong way, we bring about a destruction of the trust that God has built within us, within each other, and with God. There are consequences to our actions. So often we look at it so lightly, and the Father is saying, no, there are consequences to your actions. Imagine this morning, for some reason, it's quite jarring to think of it this way, but imagine for some reason, I cut my hand off this morning. Thought it was a good idea, so I did it. And then the next day I realized, well, that was foolish. And I go to the Lord and I say, God, forgive me for what I've done. I've destroyed my body. I've destroyed the thing that I cherish so much. And chances are, yes, he'll forgive me. He'll hear my cry. He'll, he'll see that I'm repenting. But that doesn't mean my arm is going to grow back. There's a consequence for my action. And for the rest of my life, I'm probably going to have to live with it. And the father is looking at his son saying, we can't separate sex from its consequences for better or for worse. Father's warning is simply this. Use discernment. Use discernment. You see, we all have a potential for failure. He's saying, can a man carry a fire close to his chest and not get burned? We all have a potential for failure. Apart from God's grace, there is no sin that we would not commit. So the question is, why is it there in the first place? Why did God design this? What, what is the intent behind it? You see, God has given us a beautiful gift in our sexuality. But we only experience God's best in, in our life and in our relationship when it's done for the purpose that it was created for. You see, the choosing the path of disciplined sexuality 
leads to our satisfaction and His glory. When we live life that includes undisciplined sexuality, we walk the path towards ruin. In this crossroad that we're faced with, you either choose the undisciplined or you use the discipline. And the Father is saying, you will come to that crossroad, and when you do, choose the right path. One will lead to ruin, the other will lead to satisfaction and glory to God. See, God has designed sex with a purpose with, with four different, in four different ways. And he's, in Genesis chapter 1, he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He designed it for the very reason of procreation. And then he also designed it to bring unity in marriage. In Genesis chapter 2, it reminds us that a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one. He designed sex so that they would find pleasure in each other. Proverbs 5.18 says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. But above all, this is his purpose, to bring him glory. Paul reminds us that we are to do all things for the glory of God. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to the Father through him. That is the standard of sex. And he's saying in a world that has lost its definition, in a world that has cheapened it so much, there is purpose to our sexuality. There is purpose. One of the big standards in our world today, especially if you've been paying attention to the news, if you've been paying attention to all of what has happened over these last few years, is the word consent. We bend over backwards to make sure that consent is, is there. Especially in college and high school, we hammer in the message saying, consent is needed, and anything other than that, you've committed harm. But I would argue that a Christian has a higher standard than consent. Consent simply says to you that I cannot commit not to not acting against your will. It's a good start because it has respect for the person that you're engaging with and the personhood of that individual. But a Christ follower is called to a higher standard. It's not that I just respect the person but I see the person as God has created them to be. I see myself as God has created me to be. I must respect, fear, and worship God and the God who made the person and see sexuality that way. See, our sexuality is simply another way to show our love for God and let him know that he is God and we're not. Our higher standard is, does it bring glory to God? The action that you're engaging in, can Christ put his stamp on it? Can it be done in his name? If not, we've lost the mark. We've missed the mark. Can your action represent Christ well? The path of disciplined sexuality leads to our fulfillment 
and to His glory. See, for better or worse, sex cannot be separated from its consequences. But when we choose His path that He has created for us, when we choose to pursue His purpose, He satisfies us with a life of pleasure, joy, hope, and faith. As, I, as we come to a close, the question is, how do we accomplish this? In the 1800s, Robert Louis Stevenson wrote a book, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It was such a popular book. I love reading it. It was made into multiple movies, and most of you sitting here may have heard of it. But here's, here's the premise of the story. Dr. Jekyll, a, a physician... He came up with the serum that when he drank it, his personality would change. Dr. Jekyll would change into Mr. Edward Hyde. Dr. Jekyll was a very affable, very sociable person. He was nice. People enjoyed his presence. People loved him. But the person that came when he drank the serum was the exact opposite. He was ruthless. He was evil. He was a killer. And the story goes on that at one point, when he started, Dr. Jekyll had full control. He could drink that serum when he wanted to, and Mr. Hyde would only come out at that point. But as the story goes on, you see that Mr. Hyde takes over. And now Dr. Jekyll, he has no control over it. Mr. Hyde had consumed his personality. Why do I bring up this story? We have not one but two natures, often fighting for ourselves. In the book of Colossians, this last series, we talked about the old person and the new. We talked about the new person, the old that was removed when, when we accepted the work that Christ had done for us. He created a new person within us. That old is gone, but that battle still remains. You see, in Dr. Jekyll, that battle between Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll constantly waged. And at some point, Dr. Jekyll, the good, lost to Mr. Hyde, the evil. The evil had overcome the good. And within us, most of us today sitting here, there is that fight. There is a battle that's happening within us. Stevenson, the author, was once asked, how did you come up with this character? And he says, I found it within my own nature. I find that there is a struggle with the beast that lives within me. There is a beast that lives within us that's always trying to consume us, that's always trying to take over. And there is a battle. There is a battle between how God has designed it to be and our desires for it to be. There is a battle between how God has called us to live and the way we want to live. And the call this morning is simply this. Who is the stronger one? And if you're sitting here saying, I can will myself to fight harder. I can will myself to be better. I can, I can keep fighting that battle. The answer is, my friend, you can't. And as we ask that question, how do we live out what God has called us to live out? How do we live out the purpose for, for sexuality? The first thing is this. 
Focus on the one who has already won the battle. You and I can fight. You and I can, can keep doing it for the rest of our lives, and we will lose at each and every step. Enter Jesus. Jesus comes in. He has already won that battle. It is only through Christ that we have victory over life and sin. It is through the help of the Holy Spirit that we live the life that God has called us to live. If we're going to glorify God in all aspects of our life, including our sexuality, it is only through Him. And the second thing is this. What do you feed? What are you feeding in your life? You see, if you feed your soul, you will starve your lust. You will starve the side of you that's driving you to bondage, that's driving you into addiction. But if you feed your lust, you will starve your soul. The question is, what are you feeding? Romans 13, 14, it says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You see, especially for those of us who are struggling with sexual issues, who are struggling with addictive behaviors, especially to pornography, only by feeding your soul will you overcome the lust. Only by feeding your soul, only by consuming the Word of God, only by depending on His power, depending on who He is, can we overcome that consumes us. Simple things like installing a filtering software, finding someone to be accountable to, finding someone, bringing them into your struggle, coming to the Lord in prayer and asking Him for help. If only we would do those simple things, we would starve the thing that binds us. As Christians, we must be intentional with our relationships. We must focus on the relationships that we've, we are in. Do they glorify God? In the relationship that you're in, maybe in a dating relationship, does it bring glory to God? And if not, we have choices to make. In your marriage, does your marriage, does your relationship with your wife bring glory to God? If not, we have, he's saying, pursue it. Pursue wisdom so that by it you do. Are you accountable and do you confess to each other? Do you pursue wisdom together? Do you pursue sexu- the right purpose of sexuality together? I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And as we come to a close, I'm aware, as, as, especially in a, in a, on a Sunday morning in a congregation like this, that we're all sinners, that we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. There's not a single one of us who has lived the life perfectly, who have lived the life that God has called us to in perfect form. And this morning, especially when it comes to issues and it comes to these addictive behaviors, I know there are people in this room that are struggling with that. And maybe you're saying, I'm too far gone. I've already committed the errors in my marriage. I've already done the things that have destroyed my life. How does this apply? 
You see, in, in John chapter 8, the Pharisees, they caught a woman in adultery. They dragged her out of that situation and they plopped her in front of Jesus and said, let's handle this. The law called for her to be stoned to death. That was the price of adultery. And Jesus, after an exchange and all the people had gone away, he, he looks at the woman and he says, all those people that condemned you, where are they? They're all gone. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Now go, live life in holiness. Live life and sin no more. Today, as, he, as you come into his presence, that's exactly the response he gives. I condemn you no more. You are forgiven. You live with the consequences, but you're forgiven. Now go and sin no more. As we come to a close this, this morning, let's take a moment. Take a moment to reflect. The worship team is going to lead us. But I'm going to ask that we just take a few minutes before we run off into what this week holds, before we go off to the potluck and before we do resume all of life. Take a moment to see where we failed in our sexuality. To see where we failed to uphold the purpose that God has for us. And let's come into his presence and say, God, there is a standard and I fail to meet it. And no matter how much I try, no matter how much I war between the good and the bad, how much I try to overcome, I just can't. I need you. I need your help. And the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is present in this very space to lead you, to help you overcome, to give you wisdom so that when you do come to that crossroad, you choose wisdom over not. You choose discipline over un an undisciplined life. So would you take a moment as we close, and I'm going to pray. Would you take a moment to ask the Lord, and maybe if you're not able to think of those areas, ask the Lord to highlight what needs to be corrected and watch Him do His work. Watch him restore your life. Watch him forgive. Watch him bring grace and joy and peace and pleasure back into life. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you for your, your work. We thank you for your word. We thank you for we're able to sit in on this conversation between the Father and the Son and to hear the role of wisdom, to hear the role of discernment. And I pray, Lord, as we, as we soak in what you have to speak, what you spoke to us this morning, I pray that you would awaken our hearts, awaken our minds to see those areas that need to be changed, see those areas that need to be affected, see those areas and to pursue it, Lord. And Lord, we're aware that we can do nothing under our own power. We can do nothing under our own strength. And I pray that you would give us your Holy Spirit. You would pour out your blessing upon us so that we are able to live a life holy. We're able to live a life of purpose. We're able to live a life marked with wisdom. 
We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at mthopebelmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.